Hello, hello. Welcome to the survival series of Thought Loads. I'm Nico, and today we're going to be talking about fire. Now, before I get into all of the little details here, I think it's important to know that the person recording this, who you're listening to right now, actually knows what they're talking about and, and knows how to do these survival things. So in this episode, I'm going to also talk about fire, but give you a little background. So I started backpacking when I was two years old. My parents had me carry my diapers. And ever since then, I've probably hiked somewhere in the neighborhood of 1,500 miles across several states, uh, Texas, Oklahoma, Arkansas, Missouri, Tennessee, Kentucky, and even Colorado, New Mexico. And I've also kayaked about 1,000 miles as well. And in those journeys, I've had to make fires in rain. I've had to make fires in areas where fires were not allowed because it was so dry. And I want to give you some of those tips here and teach you guys how to do this yourself. I think being able to manipulate fire, start a fire without any type of assistance, really, from either another person or maybe something like a lighter is, ex is an extremely valuable trait skill to have. Now, the, here's some history. Claims for the earliest definitive evidence of control of fire by humans range from 1.7 to 2 million years ago. Now, some of the earliest known traces of controlled fire were found in Jacob Bridge, Israel, and dated to around 790,000 years ago, somewhere around there. So humans have been using fire for a long time. But it's not as simple as going out and taking a lighter and setting a twig on fire. There's a lot of steps that you should take to make sure that your fire grows properly and that it doesn't go out. One of the main things to recommend, I, re I would recommend when building a fire, is making sure that the fire can breathe. In addition to wood or any type of carbon-based fuel, a fire needs oxygen. If you throw on a pile of leaves, even if they're dry, if the fire is not already going strong enough, the fire will go out. And so I'm going to go over some steps on how to get a fire going. And these step in these steps, I'm going to talk about how to do this without a lighter. Now, there's two or three different mechanisms or tools that you can use to start a fire without a lighter or without, you know, modern means. The first two are kind of one and the same. One's a fire drill and a fire bow. And more or less, it's where you take a, you kind of hole out a little notch in in a, in a branch or a flat piece of wood, you put in a, a straight stick into that notch, and then you, you either use your hands or create a fire bow. You can look that up. And with that friction in that little notch that you've made, you should accumulate some small embers. Another method would be to use flint and steel. 
I actually have flint and steel in my car just in case because you never know. You know, the, the worst feeling is when you're like, oh, yeah, I have a lighter and you go out and it's out of gas. Flint and steel is where you're just rubbing steel across flint, kind of like pressing on it hard. And that friction causes embers to, to fly out and that will help you create a fire. And I'm going to get into how you actually start a fire after all of this stuff. But um, just wanted to go over these these tools here first. And the last one is using sunlight. Most of you probably remember when you were kids or in elementary school or middle school, taking a magnifying glass and burning leaves or burning grass or burning a stick or whatever it may be outside. The only issue with that is you have to have sunlight. Good luck trying that at night, right? Now, you can't simply just start to use these tools and get the fire drill going or the flint and steel and try to get those embers and put them straight onto a log. You have to have some type of kindling. Now, kindling is usually some type of moss, some type of dry, very fine twigs, uh, maybe even some crushed leaves would do. But the idea is to have something that can light extremely quickly. So if you have a really big log, even if it's super dry, not the ideal thing to use for starting a fire. That's a great thing to use once your fire is going. But getting it started, you need something dry, kind of fluffy, or very, very small twigs um, that, can, that can help that fire get going. Now, usually if you're just using flint and steel or something like that, you can't really put those embers on small twigs. You have to use that moss or something first to get a flame going, and then you start adding twigs. So really the, the key part, regardless of the tool that you use, is making sure you prepare your area. Now, one of the, the tips that I've, that I've always remember, uh, I always remember hearing whenever we were backpacking is we would show up to a campground and my dad would say, Hey, go get wood. And I would always say, how much? He's like, just get as much as you think we need. And so I would gather as much wood as I thought. And when I was done, I would look, he would look at me and he's like, okay, now double it. Normally, the amount of fuel that you actually need in terms of wood is a lot more than you would think. So if you're in a survival situation and you need to get a fire going and keep it going for a long period of time, you want to make sure that you spend a pretty good chunk of your time gathering that fuel, gathering wood. You also want to clear the area. You don't want to start a fire and have other grass, dry leaves, twigs catch beside it, and then all of a sudden you started a wildfire. That's, that's obviously bad. So make sure you clear the area. Make sure if you're going to have a fire in some sort of a pit that you line it with rocks or something like that that's not going to catch. And gather a lot of wood, but also different types of wood. If you're starting from scratch, you now know you'll need some, some kindling, so soft, dry, easy, lightable stuff. But you'll also need kind of smaller twigs, intermediate-sized twigs, 
and also large pieces of wood to put on the fire once it gets going. So once you've gathered your materials, you've prepared your area, now you can start trying to actually create the fire by, by those tools, right? The, the fire stick, the fire bow, sorry, the fire drill, the fire bow, or uh, flint and steel. And from there, once you get those embers going and you kind of light that initial piece of kindling, that's where you can start adding smaller sticks or a little larger pieces of wood, maybe some bark, things like that. And that'll help slowly accumulate and build the fire. And you also never want to kind of stack everything in the same direction. Remember, you want to stack things in a way that allows for airflow. So a lot of you may, may think of that kind of teepee type setup with, uh, with most fires or any images of fires that you've seen in books or in movies. That is a pretty good way to do it, but just make sure that there's gaps in between the wood that you use. If you, like I, right now I'm, uh, I'm burning an old fence, uh, of my neighbor's fence that I took down. And if I were to put those flat pieces of wood all the way around, there may not be any place for air to flow. So that wouldn't be a good setup, even though it is in the shape of a teepee. So keep that stuff in mind. Now you may be wondering, okay, I got this fire going, but now I have to move or leave. What do I do? There's actually different ways that you can transport your fire. And what you're doing in essence is you're taking an ember from the fire or a coal and you're transporting, you're putting it in a container and that will let you walk with that ember for a long period of time. Now, from the research I did in preparing for this thought load, some of the suggestions say that you can use cans, you can use seashells. Those are kind of more, well, obviously the cans are more modern form of transportation. But I also remember Paul Stamets, who's a, uh, a mushroom enthusiast, if you will. He's kind of an expert in the field. And he talked about how early humans used mushrooms to transport embers. Mushrooms are actually a great way to transport embers. Even though they're about 80 to 90% water, they hold an ember very well. And so what he describes is they would take a large mushroom you'd find in the woods. You would kind of hole out a little section in the middle of the mushroom, place your ember in there, and you could actually walk with that mushroom for hours on end uh, before you may have to switch it out or, or do something with it. But that helps you transport your fire as well. Now, there's some subtle uh, variables to keep in mind here. Anytime you're building a fire, you want to make sure you're not in the path of a lot of wind. So having a fire out on the beach is, you know, a great thing to relax by. But if you're trying to set one up on the beach in a survival situation, you're going to have a bad time. Uh, it's just, it's too windy to start a fire from scratch. Now, if you have a lighter and other kind of modern day assistance, uh, maybe fire starters or um, I think they're called fat logs or something like that, but there's, you know, different types of 
fire starters that you can buy at the store. If you have that type of stuff, okay, you know, starting a fire on the beach isn't that bad. But if you're in a survival situation, you don't have any of that. Make sure you're out of the way of wind. And the same type of thing uh, is true for rain. You can start a fire in rain, but you have to make sure you find the driest material you can. And I would probably recommend starting the fire underneath a tree, but not a tree that's going to catch fire after you've built this thing up and it starts raging. And the key thing whenever you try and start a fire in the rain is you want to make sure that you keep it going for long enough to develop a base of coals. So if for any reason you doze off or you fall asleep for an hour or two, if you have that base of coals, you should be able to get the fire going again. Obviously, if it's not a freaking like monsoon downpour. But that's that's an important factor too. And uh, really, that, that's a lot of the the simple things to remember whenever you're starting a fire or you need to move it. Um, and I, I hope you guys look into this and learn how to start a fire yourself. One of my inspirations for doing this is today marks uh, one week of having a fire consistently going. I told you I'm burning some of the uh, old fence of my neighbors and helping them clear out some, some wood they had on their property. And uh, I've had enough wood that I've kept a fire going for a week. Now, does that mean that there was always flames? No. When I wake up in the morning, I have to get some small pieces, some kindling. I'll have to blow on the fire to keep it going or to, to get it going. But once I see flames, you throw on some larger pieces and it usually catches no problem. But I would imagine that not a lot of people know how to do that. So I wanted to share all of this with you and uh, hopefully... Hopefully get you guys interested in learning about managing a fire or starting one in, in this fashion. So hopefully you enjoyed this. Stay tuned for the next survival series thought load where I'll be talking about water. And the last two episodes will be on uh, equipment, clothing, and shelter. That's all one episode. And then I'll talk about food in the final one. So stay tuned for those episodes coming up. Stay tuned next week for another thought load. And as always, begin the duel, win the day.